Good morning. We are in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. So page 8 in your Bibles, if you're using the church Bible. The series title is Faith Journey, and the title of this message is Living a God-Blessed Life. When you hear that title, what comes to mind, living a God-blessed life? Maybe you think of someone offering to you seven steps toward personal success. Or maybe seven steps toward financial success. Or maybe you think of an early retirement and you think, well, Pastor Ray is blessed. Now he can do what he believes God wants him to do without the constraints of the regular work schedule. What does it mean to be blessed? When someone says, ah, I'm so blessed, maybe you think of a professional athlete that has just won a national championship and that athlete believes that because of the championship, he or she is blessed. Or maybe you think of a family that entered the real estate market in Vancouver at the right time and they believe, oh, we're so blessed because we got in at the right time. Or maybe someone says, ah, I'm, I'm so blessed because I've lived a long and, and healthy life. What does it mean to be blessed? When we desire blessing, what determines which path we will take? Many of the decisions we make in life are based on what we think will bring us a positive outcome, a good outcome. Families, friends, society will offer us counsel and say, hey, if you do certain things and refrain from doing other things, you are almost guaranteed a good outcome in the future. And when we follow their counsel, we're placing faith in their wisdom in their understanding of life, in their authority, in their credibility? What does it mean to journey by faith in God's promises? What does it look like to live under his blessing, to truly live a God-blessed life? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you again for Pastor Ray and the way that you have used him and Robin at Willingdon Church. And we pray your blessing on them. We thank you that you are present to instruct us by your word. We thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. And we pray that in this moment you would teach us, speak to us as you spoke to Abram. Thank you that you, God, do not change, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your word is living and active. And so we ask you to enable us to understand and to apply your word to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The main idea of this message is the blessed life is the life of one who responds obediently to the commands of the Lord and bases his or her faith journey on the promises of God. Let me repeat that. The blessed life is the life of one who responds obediently to the commands of the Lord and bases his or her faith journey on the promises of God. I could summarize that by saying that the blessed life is the life of one who lives under the blessing of Abraham. And as we read this text and study it, we'll come to understand what that means. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. 
And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. The divine word here in verses 1 through 3, it's not only an introduction to the section, it actually dramatically sets the agenda for Abram and all of his descendants. The same word that called the universe into existence now speaks to Abram. God speaks to Abram and says that he would like to birth a nation through him, bring into existence a new people. In fact, there's all kinds of allusions in this text back to creation. We'll see that as we study through the text. The word is to Abram. He's been chosen from before the foundation of the world. God has a mission for him. He's been chosen within God's sovereignty, out of God's wisdom, his divine counsel, a command. God speaks a command and a promise. The faith journey blessed by God is birthed by God's word. True for Abram, true for us. The faith journey blessed by God is birthed by God's word. The command is very clear to Abram. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. It's crisp. It's stark. The reading is God said. You may see in the footnote of your Bible, God had said. I believe the reading in the text is correct. And if that is true, then we have here a repetition of the call that God made to Abram in Ur the Chaldeans, as attested in Acts chapter 7. The word is, go, Abram, leave. It's a powerful word. Abram is to dissociate himself, to separate himself, to detach himself in a determined way. What is Abram to leave behind? Well, you see the development as you read through the verses. It's to leave his country, Ur of the Chaldeans. At that time, when you left your land, you left your religion behind because it was believed that the gods were territorial. And so God is asking Abram to leave his gods behind, the religion behind, the land behind. Kindred as well, his clan. And not only his clan, but his father's house, his extended family. In essence, by leaving his father's house, he's leaving his inheritance behind. Everything that would be his, being the eldest son of Terah, everything that he would receive through the family line, he has to leave behind. All the normal sources of personal security, of personal identity, he's to leave behind. To go, he's not sure where, according to Hebrews chapter 11. To obey, he must break with his religion, with his land, with his people, and entrust himself completely to God. 
I like John Kelvin's paraphrase of this command, which I believe captures the essence of it. I command thee to go forth with closed eyes until having renounced thy country, thou shalt have given thyself wholly to me. That's old English. Let me translate it into English. I command you to go forth with closed eyes until having renounced your country, you will have given yourself wholly to me. So the second point, the faith journey blessed by God is embraced by leaving. It's embraced by leaving. The command tests Abram's faith in this critical moment, and it will continue to test his faith as he journeys. The promises of verses 2 and 3 are conditioned on his obedience. Now, as we study the text, we'll learn that we are children of Abram. What does the Lord require of us? Jesus, in Mark chapter 8, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. The journey of faith always demands a cost. For every disciple of Christ, there will be a price. Jesus, after speaking with the rich young man, watches the rich young man walk away. He's not willing to leave his possessions behind. He walks away from the kingdom. He walks away from the journey of faith. And Jesus says in Mark 10, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. The faith journey always involves a leaving, but with the leaving comes the promise. It's sustained by God's promises. What's the promise to Abram should he leave? Well, the promise in verses 2 to 3, it actually contains seven elements. There's recreation language in these verses. Seven elements that reveal the purpose of the command. It's a seven element promise of blessing that reveals God's original intention for humanity. So here's the first element, verse 2. I will make of you a great nation. God wants to create through Abram a new people, great both in number and significance. Later the promise will be repeated to Abram, to his descendants, to Moses. The second element, I will bless you. The verb or noun derived from blessed appears five times in this text. In the first 11 chapters of Genesis, the word bless has only appeared five times. Now in two verses, it appears five times. In the chapters three, in chapters three through 11 of Genesis, there are five moments where man and his world are cursed. And here in these two verses, five words of blessing. And so those curses are being reversed. Recreation language. What does it mean to be blessed? Well, you can read through the lists of the Old Testament and you can go to Genesis 24, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28. They will list what it means to be blessed. It means to be empowered so that one might live in a victorious way. Long life, health, 
well-being. To be blessed means to have your life enhanced with prosperity, good harvests, wealth, peace. To be blessed means that you will multiply, you will experience increase children. Leviticus 26 lists these blessings and then concludes with the ultimate blessing, the highest of blessings. Leviticus chapter 26 verse 11. I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and I will be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. So the highest of blessings is God walking among his people. The highest of blessings is God revealing himself to his people. God being known by his people. That's the essence of the journey for Abraham and for us. To know God, to meet him. The third element in the promise, I will make your name great. You'll remember that those building the Tower of Babel, they were trying to make a name for themselves. Chapter 11, verse 4. And here included in the promise to Abram is this phrase, I will make your name great. Great just doesn't have to do with fame. It has to do with character that is godly. Abram's character will be formed. It will be forged through the fire of the journey. And then the fourth element, so that you will be a blessing. The purpose of receiving blessing is always so that we can pass on the blessing. We receive grace so that we can dispense grace. God dwells among us so that we might share out of the presence of God. And then the fifth element of the promise in verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. So God promises to favor, to protect, to care for Abram. He is personally concerned for Abram's welfare. Abram doesn't have to worry about retribution, about justice. God will intervene on his behalf. So think of what that means for us if we live under the blessing of Abram. The same God that acted on Abram's behalf acts on our behalf. I will bless those who bless you. Those who bless Abram will experience God's favor. And then the sixth element is, him who dishonors you, I will curse. The one who dishonors Abram, disdains Abram, will experience God's displeasure. Now look at the tremendous contrast. I will bless those who bless you. Those is plural. God desires to bless many. And then he says, him who dishonors you, I will curse. Him is singular. And so the judgment is specific to the person that dishonors Abram. You see the difference between the many and the singular? And then in verse 3, the end of verse 3, you have the climax. In the seventh, in the favored position, we find this. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. (laughs) So this verse expresses God's desire that people everywhere will experience his blessing, his favor. Reversing the waves of rebellion in chapters 3 through 11 of Genesis. The word you, it's repeated 12 times. God will use Abram. It's specific to him. God has chosen him for a purpose to bless all families of the earth. Later in Genesis, we'll read all nations of the earth. Every major group in the world is to be blessed through Abram. It's to walk as a priest. That was God's original intention for Adam and Eve. 
This is recreation language. Abram is being restored to walk as a priest, to walk in the presence of God, to be a blessing to others. Why do we have the language in you? Well, to be in a person is to be a member of that people for whom that person is a representative. Abraham's descendants are in him. This is the understanding that Paul has in Galatians chapter 3, the text that Caleb read earlier, Galatians 3, 7 through 9. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall then all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Abraham is the representative for the people of faith. If we live by faith, then we are in Abraham. We are among those under the blessing of Abraham. How does that apply to us? Well, the call to Abram is the sneak preview for the rest of the Bible. Through the descendants of Abraham, through the nation of Israel, and then by the Lord Jesus Christ, the offspring of Abraham, God progressively reveals himself and brings salvation to all peoples. Christ took the curse of sin upon himself so that we might be children of Abraham and receive the great blessing, the promised spirit. Galatians chapter 3, verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Having received the promised spirit, God is with us. We have received the great blessing, the ultimate blessing. We are united with God. We come to know him. We can live the blessed life, the abundant life. Abraham's offspring today is not ethnic Israel. It is Jesus and his church, the Israel of God, as Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 16. Those justified by faith and indwelt by the Spirit, those that walk in step with the Spirit, are the children of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to promise. So we are heirs of the promise made to Abraham. When we read the words in Genesis chapter 12, we have to understand that they apply to us as well as children of Abraham. We live under his blessing. As followers of Jesus, we are called and anointed by God to live as priests as Abram did. We are to live for the blessing of all families of the earth. Listen to Christ's commission to us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. There's the promise. I am with you always to the end of the age. The command of our Lord carries with it the blessing of his authority over all things. We are to serve as priests. We are to lead people to faith in Christ, to disciple others, to teach them all that the Lord has commanded us. And as we do that, no matter where we are on earth, the Lord is with us by his spirit. He promises to be present 
to the end of the age, all the way to eternity. So the faith journey, blessed by God, depends on the promises of God. It's true for Abram, true for us. The faith journey blessed by God depends on the promises of God. What has God promised to us? Well, he's promised that he will never leave us, his constant presence. He's promised to empower us for service. He's promised constant care, his favor. He's promised that we will know him. The promises of God, they enable us to embrace the faith journey. How should we then live? Well, how does Abram respond to the Lord's command? He must go from the land that he knows to the land that God is promising. He must leave his family that he knows in favor of the family that God promises. He must leave his earthly inheritance for the blessing that God puts before him. And this is against all logic because Sarai, his wife, is barren. Look at what happens in verse 4. He charges out in faith. We read, so Abram went. He's unquestioning. His response is immediate. He doesn't give in to unbelief. And because he doesn't, he he serves as an example to all who follow in his wake. Both Old Testament and New Testament, right to this day. The faith journey blessed by God demands prompt obedience to God's word. Demands prompt obedience to God's word. Abram, he leaves Haran at 75. For 25 years, he will walk without father, without son. For 100 years, he will journey to the age of 175. It is a walk of faith in in response to the command of God. Then in verse 5, on the journey to Canaan, we see that he takes with him Sarai, his wife, Lot, his nephew, acquired possessions, all the people that are with him. When we go to chapter 14 of Genesis, we read that there are 318 trained men born in his house. And so there's a whole entourage traveling with Abram. And he arrives in the city of Shechem, an ancient settlement. What are the obstacles to the fulfillment of the promise? Well, you remember through our study of chapter 11, 27 to 32, as we read that paragraph, we saw right at the center of that paragraph, right at the center of the literary structure, Sarai was barren. She had no child. It was there for emphasis. There was a tremendous obstacle on the way to the promise. And as we read this paragraph here, verses 4 through 9, again, right at the center of the paragraph, we read, there were Canaanites in the land at that time. So not only is Sarai barren, the land is well occupied. There are people living there. The faith journey blessed by God demands ongoing faith in God for the impossible demands ongoing faith in God for the impossible. Abram launched out in obedience to the command, but Sarai remains barren. That hasn't changed. He's been promised the land, but there are people living there. The Canaanites are there. Abram's faith was tested. As his faith was tested, so ours will be. In fact, we should expect testing. We should not be surprised by it. James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. 
For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So we shouldn't be surprised by the testing of our faith. How was your faith being tested this last week? And did you and I rejoice in the testing, in the suffering, knowing that the challenges, the obstacles are being used by God to shape us in his image, to make us complete? What does God do in response to Abram's obedience? God appears to him. And what does he say? To your offspring I will give this land. In chapter 12, verse 1, God promises to show Abram the land. Abram leaves Ur of the Chaldeans. Later he leaves Haran. Not sure where he's going. And now he is in the land at Shechem. And the Lord appears to him and says, I will give you this land. (laughs) The word is confirmed. You know, when God wants to speak to us regarding his will for us, he will repeat his word to us. He wants us to understand his will for our lives individually, collectively, more than we often want to understand it. He'll confirm it. The faith journey blessed by God is confirmed by God's word. It's confirmed by God's word. You and I can expect this. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's the way our faith journey begins. We entrust ourselves to Jesus. And as we continue our journey of faith, we will continue to hear the word of Christ. Faith comes through the word of Christ. What does Abram do in response to this word? Well, he's in Shechem. He's at the oak of Moreh. The word place means a sacred site. He has probably pitched his tent near a sacred worship site. In the ancient Near East, it was not unusual for the gods to be worshipped under sacred trees. It was understood that the tree reached into the heavens, that it was an axis point between heaven and earth. Moreh means teacher. So the Canaanites probably believed that under this tree they would receive some kind of revelation from the spiritual realm. Abram is encamped near that natural marker, the oak of Moreh. He does worship according to the customs of the times. He does build an altar, but we'll see a radical difference between his worship and that of the Canaanites. You'll remember that Noah built an altar... After the flood, he thanked God, he worshipped. You'll remember that the patriarchs, as they journey, they also build altars. When Moses leads the people of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness, God provides instructions around the building of altars. Exodus chapter 20, verse 22. And the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the people of Israel, You have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, nor shall you make for yourselves gods of gold. An altar of earth you shall make for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. So Abram follows the customs of the times. But the content of his worship differs radically. 
He is waiting on the God of the promise, the God that has spoken to him, the one true God. And he does not use the Canaanite worship altar. He builds his own altar. And there, building his own altar and probably offering a sacrifice, he remembers what God has said to him. He expresses gratitude to God. He worships God. And he symbolically demonstrates his conviction that one day that land will belong to his descendants. Right in the heart of the promised land, he consecrates it to God. He acknowledges That the God who has spoken to him is Lord of the land. And then he travels south and pitches his tent between Bethel and Ai, just north of Jerusalem. And there again he builds an altar and he calls upon the name of the Lord. He worships. You see, the faith journey blessed by God is fueled by ongoing worship. The faith journey blessed by God is fueled by ongoing worship. We are to be worshipers. Abram's faith was tested along the way. But, Romans chapter 4, verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. As we glorify God in worship, our faith in God Our faith in his promises will grow stronger and stronger. In the New Testament, we're not asked to build altars. We're asked to place our lives on the altar, Romans chapter 12. We are to live our lives as a living sacrifice, denying ourselves, our lives on the cross, living for God's glory, worshiping. On the faith journey, we are to draw near to God, Romans chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's a promise. If you open your heart to God and draw near to him, he will draw near to you. We are to worship God in spirit and truth wherever and whenever. But do you have a place of worship? Do you have a place in your office or in your home, in your backyard, some place of worship, a regular place where you go to spend time with God, where you go to read the word, to pray, to hear his word of blessing over your life, a place where you abide in his presence. Maybe you've seen the movie The War Room. In that movie, an elderly woman, she has a closet upstairs. It is her war room. It is her place of meeting with God, of hearing God's word, of interceding for those that she loves, of going to battle. She goes to the war room. Do you have a war room? Do you have a place of worship, a place where you abide in God's presence so that your faith will be strengthened? I heard the story this morning of a mother who had 14 children, and her place of quiet, of abiding in God's presence, was putting her apron over her head. (laughs) And her children understood that when the apron was over mother's head, she was in her war room, in her quiet place. Don't bother her. Verse 9. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. The word Negev means south. So in verses 4 through 9, we see Abram journeying from the northern border all the way to the southern border. He journeys through the land from end to end. He worships in it. He calls on the name of the Lord in it. He has taken possession of it by faith. His actions foreshadow Israel settling in the land and worshiping God there. 
The passage, it begins with, Abram, go. Verse 1. In verse 4, Abram went. Verse 9, Abram, still going. That last phrase in verse 9, it just expresses the unsettled nature of his journey. It is a journey of faith. He's an alien in the land of promise, but he's on his way to knowing God, and as he worships, his faith grows stronger and stronger. He's more and more sure that he's journeying toward the city whose designer and builder is God. His citizenship is in heaven, and his obedience to the divine call, forsaking his homeland and family for the worship of the Lord in the land of promise, it stands as an example and an incentive to all his descendants who follow suit. One man that was inspired by the faith of Abraham who lived under his blessing, Jim Elliot, wrote in his journal, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What did Abram gain? Oh, much more than he could ever have asked for or imagined. God's plans for Abram are just way beyond anything that he could ever have dreamed of. National, international dimensions. God's creative word to him to bless those tribes and nations listed in Genesis chapter 10 and 11. The word and Abram's response just redirects the course of history. And when you think that today, there are over a billion people on earth that embrace the faith of Abraham. And you think of the thousands and hundreds of thousands that have embraced the faith of Abraham through the centuries. God had much more than Abram ever could have imagined or asked for in mind. God knew When he commanded Abram that he would fulfill the promise, and we see the fulfillment of the promise today, and if Abram could walk with faith in his day when he first heard that word, then we that live centuries later should be filled with faith, seeing what God has done in faithfulness to his promise. Amen. Amen? God's plans for us Individually, collectively, are often larger than anything we can imagine. He calls us to things that only he will be able to accomplish. He promises things that are beyond us. There are obstacles in the way. God will have to intervene for his promises to be fulfilled. But that is the walk of faith. And in Christ, we are under the blessing of Abraham. The same God that was faithful in his life will be faithful in your life and in my life. And so the question is, do we want to journey with God as Abram did? I pray that we will answer yes. Let's bow our heads in prayer. I just want to guide us through some questions, reflective questions. This is between you and God. Do you want to live a life blessed by God? What is God birthing in your life through his word? What has God been saying to you through his word? What is God asking you to leave? For some, that may mean leaving a past life of sin. It may mean repenting and turning to Jesus and asking for forgiveness. 
asking him to send his Holy Spirit to live in you. For others that are following Jesus, it just means releasing something dear in order to pursue God's calling. How is your faith being tested today? Has your faith been tested this last week? If it has, that should encourage you. Which promises of God sustain you today? Are you believing God for the impossible despite the obstacles? How is God confirming his word to you? And as you journey, are you worshiping? Are you yearning for the presence of God in your life? Do you covet that presence more than anything else? That's where the life is. God wants to meet you. So, Father, in this moment, we thank you that in your goodness and out of love, you spoke to Abram. And you expressed once again your desire to bless all peoples. Thank you, Lord, that we can live under the blessing of Abram as your children, as your followers, Jesus. Thank you that we live under your favor, under your protection, under your care. Thank you that you walk with us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you have promised to never leave us. And so, Lord, as we enter this week, may we journey with faith, full of faith, worshiping you. As we worship you, Lord, may our faith grow stronger and stronger. May we live according to the purposes that you have for us. For your glory, Jesus, we pray. And now, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.